This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. Welcome back to the 50 Minutes of Football podcast with myself, Jordan Dover, and I'm joined with Johnny Bentley. This is the podcast where we discuss all things football in approximately 50 minutes. And today we've got four topics lasting about an hour. Uh, and this podcast is in association with Transfer News Central. There will be a little bit of transfer chat, but the main talking points of, of, of this podcast today are going to be the final game week of the season across all of Europe's leagues. No, most notably, the, the four European leagues to start with in Germany, France, Italy and Spain. Some exciting th- things going on, obviously, in those leagues. And then we're going to have half an hour, approximately two 50-minute sections discussing the the main winners and losers of the Premier League this season, who's performed well, who hasn't, and maybe discussing a little bit about each team's season. Mm. So, Johnny, do you want to say hello? Yeah, yeah. I just, uh, I let Jordan host because I, I, I'm eating food after playing football because, uh, you know, I like to keep active. I like to, you know, own the football field. I like to own the presenting uh, seat as well. You did a remarkable job there of... Uh, Almost confusing everyone by saying it's a 15-minute podcast that discusses everything in 15 minutes, which lasts an hour, which, just for clarification, is four topics in one hour. I'm sure I said four 15-minute topics. You said something along those lines, but, you know, just... For, just as, long as, as long as the words came out, the, the order doesn't matter too much. For any, for any, for any uh, new listeners, uh, this is, you know, his, uh, his second time hosting, but it's also his 18th or 19th or 20th time actually <laughs> listening to the order, and it's uh, still yet to be... Um, efficiently rolled out with the correct uh, order of the we'll word. We'll get there one day. Syntax I'm back after a hiatus anyway. Syntax I'm sure our keen listeners will have missed me. Syntax doesn't matter. Um, yeah, I think... Um, oh, well, I'll let you start then. To, 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 there's four... Well, actually, I, I should just uh, clarify. Wonderful uh, season for Rangers. Wonderful season for Sporting Lisbon as well. They've won their uh, first Liga Portuguesa in a very, very long time. It's quite testament, I think, to... A remarkably unprecedented season across the footballing world in which so much madness really has happened across the board. In fact, to be honest, the Premier League probably had the least madness in terms of what's happened at the top insert. Well, maybe not the least, but less than other divisions where madness really has been apparent. And we've got four big leagues we look at, really, like you say. I think we'll split this one. I'll let you decide which which two do you fancy going looking at first in particular. I think well, I think the the exciting ones first. I think people people are already on the edge of the seats. So might as well give them what they want. As we've said throughout pretty much most of the podcast this year, the two exciting ones have mainly been in Spain and France, particularly France. I would say since since the start of the the league has been very exciting. And we saw on Saturday, Spain. Uh, obviously, it was down to down to the final two in Real Madrid and Atletico Madrid. And Atletico Madrid came out on top, although both of them had their hurdles during that match. I don't know if you saw, Johnny. Yeah. Uh, both of them going 1-0 yeah. down uh, about half an hour in, about a minute apart from each other as well, mm. which was a nice little notification mm. to get. Uh, but as I say, mm. Luis Suarez coming mm. back for Atletico Madrid scored mm. and they got the win. Well, yeah, I, I do see because I do I do do my research before podcasts. Um, and uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was, yeah, it was, it was symptomatic, really, of, of of an exciting title race all round. I actually read a rumor somewhere before that uh, obviously Ronaldo Ronaldo Nazario is 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 a, is one of the uh, leading shareholders in uh, Real Valladolid, and he said apparently I don't know if this is true, but it was quite an amusing story to read. And my friend told me about it that yeah, that's 
he would give 150,000 euros to every player who was featuring if they managed to beat Atletico Madrid and Real Madrid were able to win La Liga as a result. Um, obviously, that paid incentive did seemingly pay off because, like you say, uh, going 1-0 up in the first half, but then, yeah, Angel Carrera and, and Suarez um, with, with two second-half goals, really um, turning it around, giving, giving, a, giving a massive... Um, you know, boost to Diego Simeone and Luis Suarez was was on the pitch in in tears. You know, just just euphoric tears, really, in many ways. Left Barcelona last year, deemed surplus to requirements. One of the key men in this Atletico team this year. You know, maybe not quite the same explosive performer that he was a few years ago, but still incredibly lethal in the final third, and. That's been testament this season where he's banged in the goals all season for an Atletico team that are notoriously more pragmatic than Barcelona have been in, in, in uh, over the years. And he's really helped them to take the title. We know they've got a, a resilience, particularly with all black and gold, had another phenomenal season and the defensive structure that they like to have uh, in front of him. But Suarez really did add that know-how and experience and guile in key moments up front. And I think that's why they've they've just shaded Real Madrid this year. Yeah, they've, they've very much limped over the line over the past 10 weeks or so. I mean, there was a point where I, I think that we both thought they were maybe going to drop drop even further. They might even lose to Barcelona. But as you say, in the end, it, they, they really pulled it out of the bag. Uh, it's quite fitting, really, that Suarez was the one that got the winning goal in the final game. Uh, he did actually say in an interview afterwards that he, it really meant even more to him uh, to make sure that they, they beat Barcelona to it in particular because he, he really wanted to prove them wrong that they, they let him go and they said yeah. he was maybe past his best uh, and I guess that it's really that the proof's in the pudding really with the fact that he, he's done so well and now they're looking to buy another old striker yeah it's quite uh, amusing the, that, isn't yeah, it? well that's probably more tied to the fact that he's best friends with their talisman yeah yeah probably so but yeah. I, I still yeah. think it's quite funny that they've gone from one 34 year old to another well yeah I mean if Atletico had lost, I mean, it would have been a remarkable um, La Liga victory for Real Madrid, almost familiar with yeah. the Man City QPR one, because, of course, they were 1-0 down until the 87th minute when Benzema scored, make it 1-1, and Modric in added time. Um, you know, key men. I mean, it's, it's, for Real Madrid, it, it has been the experienced performers has really carried them even to within an inch of the title this season. The, the lack of depth or the lack of um, exuberance and upcoming talent behind that. Yeah, they've got a few, Vinicius Junior uh, being one uh, standout, uh, particularly we saw that in the Champions League. But on the whole, the Galacticos that they bought 10 years ago, many of them are still around and many of them are aging, yeah. but still offering that um, experience, which is absolutely key when you when, when they're all when they have all been world class performers in their in their best days. They're still phenomenal footballers now, but it's just ultimately not quite enough. Um yeah. I mean there's the... been big periods of the season really where Benzema in particular has almost carried the team on his back mm. at times. He's been their top scorer. I believe Casemiro finished the season as the, the second most goal involvements for Real Madrid uh, across mm. the season, which says it all really what? the fact that it is more of a deeper midfielder that's doing that. Just losing Ronaldo was so big because they used to rely on him for so many goals. But what it does, like you say, it's testament to the fact that Benzema is an excellent footballer, uh, oh, yeah. a very intelligent footballer as well. Because when Ronaldo was there, he, he sort of acted as his foil, do a lot of the defensive work or the uglier work to accommodate Ronaldo's uh, movements inside. 
and when Ronaldo's not there, he realise he steps up to the plate as the predatory goal scorer that he that he can be. Um, yeah, and he's been really good this season. Um, but again, it, it, it's Real Madrid in a, in a strange situation. Zinedine Zidane, will he be there? Ominous words after that game, possibly not there in for the upcoming for the new season. That might affect actually, I suppose, the, the player relations because obviously Zidane's had it with well. Gareth Bale doesn't have a future at Real Madrid while Zidane's there. I mean, yeah. to be honest, Gareth Bale's own words doesn't seem to be as too interested, I don't think, in revitalising his football career as far as, you know, from what I can gather. But again, if Zidane's there, that ship's sailed. Eden Hazard is another one who many people, I mean, he's being linked with a return to Chelsea now. And that yeah, would probably be... Shame, isn't it? Well, yeah, I mean... I think, again, that will be more orchestrated. But if Zidane stays on, I don't think Zidane's a big fan of Eden Hazard. Um, it seems to... I think Zidane, pers- he seems quite like quite a strong disciplinarian. He wants his players to work hard. He wants him to contribute to the team in the defensive aspect. Hazard's more of a mercurial talent. Bale the same. And obviously, he doesn't necessarily see um, eye-to-eye with those two players. And, and it's not the only two. There's been many players at Real Madrid. His code's fallen out with... Zidane, James Rodriguez hasn't settled in with Zidane, although maybe there's a reason for that. Um, and you know, I guess there hasn't been it, it, it's not been too discommon at the same time. Zidane's done a phenomenally good job for Real Madrid, so it's not it's not like a case of Jose Mourinho, he goes in and he just disrupts the camp. Yes, he has fallen out with quite a number of quite a few players, but his record as Real Madrid manager has been excellent. Yeah, I think it's just he sets such high expectations. It was one of the best players in the world. Exactly, maybe partly because of how good he was. He, he mm. kind of wants every player to be on that level and try as hard as he did. Mm. Uh, and obviously, particularly, I think, with Hazard, he, he doesn't do that. <laughs> particularly, no. I think, with fitness, he, he just doesn't maybe do everything he can because he's got the talent, absolutely. And if you had a fit and fire in Eden Hazard throughout the season, you'd mm. maybe be looking at Real Madrid's champions. Although the, the the images, of course, I think Marker touched on it when when he when when the Real Madrid went out of the Champions League to Chelsea, when he was laughing with his ex-teammates, it came across really badly. And of course, Marker and the Spanish press and Real Madrid, they are very much, it's not just about what you do on the pitch, it's all about what you do off the yeah. pitch and your mentality. You see so many players who've been deemed world-class or high-end go to Real Madrid and they can't hack it because it's such a high... Your mentality's got to be unbelievable. And Cristiano Ronaldo hacked it. And I remember yeah. he... I mean, he went, times where, at the end of his Real Madrid career where he was being booed as well yeah, uh, by a lot of the fans. So, so even he... Even his exceptional standards weren't good enough sometimes. So I feel if you crack it at Real Madrid, you're an exceptional footballer on the pitch, but you've also got the, you've got an exceptional mentality. You've got a, an exceptional yeah. arrogance and confidence within your own ability. Whether Hazard has all of that alongside his talent is, is questionable. Um, we've seen that this season. He's struggled to stay fit. When he has got fit, he's looked overweight. When he's supposedly supposed to be in the squad. Now he's linked with the return to Chelsea. It's going to be really interesting uh, on a cut price deal as well. Um, I think if he did want to push for a return to Chelsea, that would be absolutely definitive of the fact that he probably doesn't have the Real Madrid mentality because he's not. He's been there for two minutes yeah. and he wants to leave. Though, as I say, I think with his ability, he could be a bargain for some team, whether it is Chelsea or another team. I think it's, a, it's almost a case of if you get him fit, you've got one of the best players around. But mm. as you say, the mentality is a questionable. Mm. Uh Gunn, France. Yeah. Yeah, the other big title race. We we've seen Lille and PSG predominantly the, the two teams battling it out throughout. Well, Monaco the season. was still in with a shout, you know. This exactly, if, yeah, incredible. Yeah, it, it, well, I mean, at one point it was a four a four horse race, but it 
yeah. for the last few weeks, it's predominantly been down to, to PSG and Lille. And it, it came down to the final game after Lille uh, slumped to a draw against Santetian last week. Mm. Uh, I, I mean, I, after that, I, I genuinely thought that this this could be on the rocks here, that they might mm. be. Because it, it's quite difficult to bounce back from a scenario like that. But they showed the true mental attitude that you need to be a champion. And it, it's really great to see the underdog kind of come out on top in the end. Yeah, no, uh, you, you did have that fear. 2-0 up as well in the first half uh, with, the, with, the, yeah. with the front two. Uh, uh, Yilmaz and Jonathan David with, um, you know, young yeah. and old, yin and yang, two goals, 2-0 up. Um, and then the goal they did concede was in, was in the dying embers. So they were... Yeah. Again, it was it, some nerves though. If you, I don't know if you saw the, the pictures yeah. of the bench afterwards, that they were bricking yeah. it when that yeah. goal went in, and there were lots of hoof balls just to get the ball into the into yeah. the armchair half yeah. as well. Um, yeah, it's a it's a phenomenal achievement, really. And uh, and Gaultier, the manager, he he's going to leave. It looks like, which is it's, it's quite sad, really. Everything will be dismantled because the club are in a crisis off the pitch, um, yeah. which makes it even more remarkable that it was a now or never scenario. Everything is probably going to go downhill from here, but hey, this is a this is a really good moment. Celebrate it! It's fantastic for the Lille supporters. Real fairy tale story, reminiscent of fifteen sixteen Leicester. Except yeah. uh, with fifteen sixteen Leicester, there was optimism for the future, whereas now it, it doesn't feel too optimistic. But no, it's very much a case of one last dance, isn't it? And it's such yeah. a shame that we're probably going to see a lot of this team maybe going their separate ways and, and going to different clubs, maybe around around Europe, but. I think that the good news for, for Lille fans, obviously they've won the league, they've had all these highs, but the money that they get in will provide them with stability in the long run. And mm. that, that's particularly in a COVID time, which has, has impacted French and, and French uh, football clubs in particular. I think it's quite important for Lille and I think this couldn't have come at a better time really for them. Yes, and that, yeah, it's a good way of looking at it actually. Um... Of course, the last time they won the title was when Eden Hazard was a, as a Lille player, yeah. which is which is remarkable. Maybe yeah. they'll bring the, the true band back together. I don't, I don't <laughs> think they'll do that. Um, but I think it was, um, yeah, it was remarkable. I was really delighted for them. Um, real, as I say, real fairy tale story. I mean, Atletico in a way was a somewhat fairy tale story because, of course, obviously Barcelona Real Madrid are the Catalan giants. There, we didn't really even touch on Barcelona because they beat Elche one 0 with the Griezmann goal, but they were already really away from. Uh, yeah, out of that really. title race, yeah. Um, it's looking as though Ronald Koeman might be out of a job come the yeah. end of the season. Yeah, yeah. My prediction was absolutely right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, I think I, th- I think it's it's a difficult job, Barcelona. I mean, the, the Catalan oh, absolutely. Guys, yeah. there's been so much mis misspending that's gone on with those two clubs. And you look at Lille, and we just bring it back to Lille. Not a big budget. Not got the finances. Not even not even just against PSG, but against Monaco and against Lyon. And they have done unbelievably well. It's just about getting uh, the right coach, the right group, the right attitude all across the board. Um, and yeah, like you say, uh, if there is some comfort to have from the fact that it's all going to fall apart a little bit, probably in the summer, it is the fact that there'll be some financial stability in a time when there isn't much financial stability. Um, yeah. PSG, on the other hand, uh, it looks like they're going to stick with Pochettino. Probably should because he came in mid-season when they were third. But at the same time, um, it's not a great look, is it? Um, Absolutely not. Absolutely not. As has been noted, PSG's team, team from 1 to 11, isn't amazing, but it is 
because we, we generally judge it as amazing by Neymar and Mbappe standards. But if you go further back, apart from Verratti, of course, who's excellent yeah. in the midfield, and, and Di Maria, maybe, and Marquinhos, there's still quite a lot of sort of just players there like uh, fillers. You know, you wouldn't necessarily jump yeah, into other European... Yeah, I think European... the in particular. Uh, yeah, yeah. You can, you can maybe get away with an, an Adrissagana gay type player because he's useful in the big games, but, but he doesn't have the quality on the ball that you would associate with the other the other calibre of players that they do. Moyes Keane from Everton, like, he's, done, he's done well in patches, but again, it's not what you'd think from a, a European yeah, elite think, club. Icardi as well. Quite, by, by what the rumours are saying, it looks as though they're going to splash the cash on most keen as well, which is going to be interesting. Yeah. Uh, to see how much they actually do end up spending this summer to to really almost put that guarantee on the league title for next season. Yeah, well, actually, it's interesting because Mbappe's got one year left on his contract. He's been linked with Liverpool. He's been linked with Real Madrid. Um, he's also he been, Liverpool. He's been, he talk, he's been talking up the PSU project as well. Um, it, it, yeah, it's 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 very. I mean, like you say, I think Liverpool financially would struggle to bring him in, but he does have an affiliate. He does like Liverpool a lot. He's told Liverpool up a lot, up a lot in interviews. The only way that that would happen is if Nike really wanted it to happen and yeah. and funded a massive portion of his wages mm. or the transfer, one, yeah. one or the other. And yeah. I just can't see it happening personally. Think, I think Real Madrid is the only other club. Well, and obviously they have some financial issues themselves. Yeah, well, Neymar's signed an extension, hasn't he, at PSU? But will... Yeah. I don't know. I suppose... I don't think it'd be the worst thing in the world for Mbappé to do. He's still very young, won the World Cup. Uh, yeah. Arguably wants to win the Champions League with PSG before moving on, maybe. I think that's... He's sort of talking up um, the the plan, the project currently under Pochettino and, and, and by project, I think it means Champions League because that's all it usually is really. Um, and after that, I suppose he'd like to move on at the same time. Um, you know, it's still a precarious position to only have one year left on your deal. In yeah. time, just someone puts in a cheeky 100. I mean, not many people have that money, but if they do, <laughs> then, you know, you've got, you've got something to think about. Yeah. Uh... The way I see it is I think he's holding out for a contract, just a bigger contract. And I think that it might be something that happens maybe during or after the Euros. If he has a great Euros, they'll throw on an extra 50,000 or something like that a week. It, I just think it's, from his perspective, he's just a barter position. And, and I think that he will end up signing a contract to PSG. Maybe not a long-term contract. He might have seen what's happened to the likes of Harry Kane. Uh, he doesn't want to be tied down. But yeah, I think he will sign a contract. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, summarized. Uh, maybe two slightly less exciting climaxes to the Bundesliga and Serie A. So we'll mm. start with Serie A. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the main exciting point really was the Champions League race. Uh, yeah. Uh, Napoli conceded a, a fairly late goal to, to lose their place. And Gattuso uh, lost his job, didn't he? As a he result, he did indeed. Of that. Yeah. He did yeah. indeed. So it, it put Juventus back in the driving seat, uh, and they obviously got their win as well. Four so, one. Yeah, we are going to be seeing events in the Champions League. I mean, yeah. at least we should be. <laughs> Whether yeah. that happens, if there's a, some kind of ban, I'm not sure uh, yeah. because of the Super League. But yeah, it was mainly the, the Napoli result that was the, the big result uh, of the day. Because, I, I mean, I was expecting them to win that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, against Hellas Verona, they were 1-0 up. Um, and you, you you would think so. You would think so. I mean, yeah, I... It, Gattuso's interesting. I mean, he's such a fiery character. He's got he's, he's got Napoli quite fired up. They've said sometimes tactically he's been a little bit behind, uh, particularly what they had under Maurizio Sarri way back when. And he was a he was a legend as the Napoli manager. 
Um, Shanford to lose his job, though, extravagant character on the sidelines, just like he was as a player. <laughs> I think he, uh, you know, he's, uh, or, or, or very much in, in the media, with the media. I think he, he, he uh, yeah, he's certainly someone I like to, uh, I like to watch, I'd like to envisage. But again, yeah, um, strong Napoli team. Uh, they got Aussie men as well, uh, up front as well for big money in the summer. And that's not quite, well, he's played quite a lot of games. He hasn't necessarily uh, hit the goals that some of the other uh, forwards in, in Serie A have. Um, and yeah, I suppose, obviously, Na- the Napoli, uh, the Napoli ownership were expected Champions League because uh, they, they, you know, it, it. I mean, when you're in the position, like you say, against Hellas at home, you would expect them to see that out from that position. However, fair play to Juventus, fair play to Pirlo, um, yeah, Copper Italia as well, Copper Italia and um, Copper Italia win and uh, and the top four finish, which isn't actually too bad. It probably keeps me in a job and probably keeps Ronaldo at the club if he wants to stay. That is, and if yeah. they feel that uh well there's been some some speculation that he does command a lot of a lot of money per week and if someone did come in for him and he did feel the need to go that Juventus might not necessarily stand in his way. However, he's still the highest scorer in Serie A. So there is yeah. something to be a lot of penalties, but yeah, so either but, way you're not gonna if you take away those goals it's gonna be a big hit to your and they have to be scored, don't goals. they? Just look at Real Madrid, exactly. you take away those goals. Exactly. Yeah. Um so no it's uh Huge again, Super League permitted, Super League bans permitted, which we don't think will happen. Huge, uh, huge, huge, huge result for Juventus, huge result for PLO, and possibly, well, possibly Ronaldo sees out his contract to Juventus now. If it was in the Europa League, argument PLO gets sacked, argument that uh, Ronaldo's on his way because he wouldn't play in the Europa League. What was really interesting as well was Ronaldo said he was too tired to play in the final game, so he was on the bench. Um, which is fair enough because he is he's thirty five I think years old so he, he's he's carrying <laughs> uh, yeah uh, he's carrying he's, he's played a lot of games he is the top goal scorer in Serie A but Alvaro Morata with two goals and a really nice touch on one of his goals terrible goalkeeping albeit on when he when he strikes the ball across but um, yeah no uh, nice to see him back amongst the goals he's been um, he's had his moments this season Morata one of those players that sometimes looks amazing sometimes looks well. Completely the opposite of amazing. It's. Um, yeah, I think Gennaro Gattuso would be the best uh, way, person to describe it. Uh, I'm sure you've seen the, the video mm, I'm talking about. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. Elsewhere, Bundesliga again, it, not quite as exciting as as uh, League Un and La Liga, but I think the main talking point really is Robert Lewandowski. Now he left it late, but he broke the record in the the 90th minute, the 41st goal of the season, which is pretty remarkable, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, he, um, yeah, it was a poor, poor mistake by the goalkeeper, wasn't it? Uh, I think it was a Leroy Sané shot, and it came in, and he, he sort of spills it at his feet, the Augsburg goalkeeper, and then yeah, Lewandowski can't believe his luck, takes it round him, rolls it into the back of the net, yeah, and breaks Gerd Muller's record, uh, forty-one goals in one Bundesliga season. All, all the more remarkable when you consider you can only play up to thirty-four matches, and Lewandowski didn't play for thirty-four matches because he, he yeah. had some injuries, so. Yeah, phenomenal, 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 phenomenal numbers. Um, and it's quite ironic. It was four two, and he hadn't scored at that point. And it was, uh, yeah. you know, doing. Do well, that's the thing. As I say, the nine, he leaves it until the ninetieth minute to do it, and it's just the tapping like that. Yes. Yeah. He was kind of lucky stars when he saw the ball there. Well, yeah, it's, yeah. So he's done. He's done. He's done. He's done what he can do in the Bundesliga. That he's done it. He's won a Champions League with Bayern. Now he's he's broken the Bundesliga record, and now 
there are some suggestions and some rumours linking him with a move to Chelsea, which would be really interesting, and uh, a move to uh, an overseas club. Now, the idea being that, oh, Bayern wouldn't let him go, they want to keep him, but the, there's a suggestion that Bayern actually want Erling Haaland to be uh, Robert Lewandowski's <laughs> long-term replacement. If that was the case, they'd probably move next season. If Lewandowski was aware of that, he probably wouldn't be too, you know, liking, much liking towards it. So, uh, I don't know. If, if Robert Lewandowski came to the Premier League or came to any uh, other league, would be really interesting, wouldn't it? Because he's been a long time in the Bundesliga. Yeah. I, I think a player of his um, ability, it's not, it's, I think it's league resistant, isn't it? With yeah, I, I mean, people, people talk about a Bundesliga tax, particularly since Timo Werner yeah. and, and Kai Havertz came over. But I think that, yeah, as you say, I think he's someone that would would surpass that. I think he'd continue, maybe not the same level as numbers, because level of numbers, because he's, as you say, he's getting more than a goal a game at the minute. But he, yeah. I think he'd be right up there in, in the top scorers list. Uh, the other the other funny thing I saw was in in the yeah. Dortmund Leverkusen game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Lars Bender penalty <laughs> got yeah. a last minute penalty and got let in. Yeah, you see right. the keep let, yeah. let him score, celebrated yeah. with him. Yeah. Shocking scenes. No, it's no. Like yeah, so Dortmund were three up and uh, Haaland got a brace against, you know, a, a Leverkusen team that flattered to deceive this season. But a last bender on his final, the final match of his career, comes on uh, off the bench. Uh, Dortmund win a late penalty. Uh, Leverkusen win a late penalty. He gets it. Obviously, Berkey. Berkey's not had the best of seasons, so maybe he was trying to say yeah, maybe, well, maybe he didn't let it in. <laughs> but uh, no, it, it was quite obvious. He, he, he was standing still, standing. You know, he wasn't going to move. It would have been quite funny if he'd have tried the Penenka, though. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> he, he stands still and uh, and yeah, and Bender puts it. It's nice sportsmanship. It would have been different at 1 1 nil or 1 yeah, 1. I would imagine. But you know, a good level of sportsmanship. Really good from Dortmund. Yeah, I don't like it, though. Don't I think like that it. would annoy me as a player if a keeper did that. <sighs> Mm. I, I know it's the only way, I, I the only way you score a penalty, don't you? All oh, right, <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I think I, you know, I, I quite, I mean, I, Dortmund's rise recently has been great. Not they won, they won the uh, DFB Pokal as well, um, and they have, uh, and and they, they've they've come straight back into the well, they are in the Champions League positions. They, they yeah. they've still, they've third as well, that. exactly, it's, it, and and I think one point of Leipzig, so who, who sort of faltered a little bit. And they're in a title race, kind of, at some point. And then, obviously, when Nagelsmann announced his departure, the wheels kind of fell off slightly, also in the Champions yeah. League a little bit as well. But, yeah, I think, um, no, Dortmund have really come... I mean, Dortmund, 1-11, uh, their best 11 should be should be second. It should be, you know. it's a, it's a, yeah. the, the issues lie in defence and in game management and not having enough experience in the right areas. Hummels has come in, but he can't just sort of paper over the cracks of a quite frail-looking defence. And, and I've said this a million times, but the goalkeeper, I mean, Hitz has been rotated with Berkey throughout the season. Uh, Hitz has played quite a lot in the second half of the season because, quite frankly, you know, neither of them fill you with much confidence. Um, it's an area, really, that they should... They, should, they haven't really addressed since Roman Weidenfeller, I don't think, retired. Uh, no. So it's somewhere where they should... Certainly, a little, certainly look to strengthen. But again, like we saw against Manchester City, I thought they played two terrific matches against City in the Champions League, particularly at the Etihad, where they played with such confidence. And yeah, they're it, definitely it, a, a capable team, aren't they? They're, they're they always are. They always are. The only issue was was bridging the gap between second and first. To see them at this season in seventh at one point, like midway through the season, it was ridiculous. I mean, this isn't what we expect from Dortmund. This collapse. This. I mean it. 
Um, Lucien Favre, um, who was in charge before, he did lost some of the dressing room. Some of the results were really poor. The caretaker comes in again. It kind of got a little bit better. Then they announced Marco Rosa for the summer. And again, it, it's one of those where you think, well, can't he take charge now? You know, yeah, because exactly. it, it, it's the whole the whole Guardiola coming to City thing, isn't it? Um, and that affected Mönchengladbach. It also affected Dortmund a little bit. But then for some reason at the end, you know, last couple of months, resurgence. The, and it's a oh, big, big they, resurgence. Yeah. Um, and they needed it as well, didn't they? Because, I mean, I I was certainly in the camp thinking they might lose both Sancho and Haaland. And it looks like just the one now, doesn't it? Exactly, yeah. Now, now I'm not so confident on that. Mm. Uh, and as you say, with Marco Rosa coming in, it was pretty essential that they did get Champions League football. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, it does mean, like I was sort of saying before, Marco Rosa coming in, relationship with Erling Haaland from Salzburg, yeah, uh, it probably means that that, that Holland happily stays for another twelve months because you know the previous manager knows how he likes to play. Um, Sancho will probably depart this summer, and that will probably fund Dortmund's transfer activity. This yeah, it, you know this is probably going to fund Dortmund's transfer activity in the summer. I do they need to directly go and replace Sancho? I don't know because you've got so many good attacking options: Marco Royce, Erling Haaland. Uh, Giovanni Reina, Julian Brandt, who might leave as well. He's been linked with a move away. He hasn't played regularly all the time. Jude Bellingham is the box-to-box midfielder as well. Torgan Hazard. So many good attacking options. It's the defensive area and the goalkeeper, really, if they're going to bridge the gap to Bayern, which we've been saying for about 10 years. Um, I think they had the best opportunity uh, two seasons ago when... um, it was Nico Kovac in charge and, and yeah. just before Hansi Flick took over. And they they started really poorly. Uh, Lucien Favre, it looked like he had a really good summer of recruitment and they just couldn't get it going well enough at the start. And then by the time Hansi Flick came in, they were sort of level pegging and, and then Hansi Flick took them on to another level. Um, be interested to see what he does in the summer, probably after... Yeah. Probably taking the Germany job by all accounts, but um, yeah, it certainly looks uh, that way. And just a just yeah. a final word actually on the, the Milan clubs. Renaissance in Italy for the Milan clubs. AC Milan in the Champions League for the first time in over a decade, I think. So Ibrahimovic back in the uh, it's been that long. I didn't know. I know. Been that long. I know. Yeah. Ibrahimovic now back in the um, back in the big time at forty-one, uh, which will <laughs> be interesting. Uh, did it without him yesterday as well. Uh, convincing victory to seal that second place in in, in Serie A. Uh, Kessie on the score sheet. Kessie's been great this season yeah. uh, in the midfield, and um, and also Inter Milan as well. Uh, Antonio Conte dedicated uh, this t- this uh, league title to himself and his management, uh, yeah. <laughs> which is which is great. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, and uh, they've been ridiculous. I mean, again, Ashley Young scored in in their five one win this weekend. I mean, this is a manager who has got the best out of sometimes not very much, um, and he's taken players on. Uh, you know, I mean, Lukaku went as a, as a as a good goal scorer, a good player, good strike, and now probably one of the best five in the world. So it just shows what Probably, I would say yeah. what a manager Conte. like Conte can do. Um, yeah, and you know what's ironic? He seems to get quite angry when he doesn't get all the expensive targets that he wants in the transfer window. When in actual fact, he does a brilliant job at working with. Yeah, he working generally with does Africa. better with the people that are already there. <laughs> yeah, he does really, really, really good. It, um, but I think he thinks that if he got the ones that he wanted, he'd be unstoppable. And to be honest, given what he can do with the with the rough parts, you can't really argue with him. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, it'll be good to see actually whether he can can really kick on and do something in the Champions League. I'll say my favourite manager in the world, Conte. I Conte. Love, yeah. I love well, 
Lukaku is my favourite striker in the world, so I've got a little bit of a Aww. little bit of brotherhood yeah. there. Second half of the podcast, as I mentioned before, we're going to move on to the Premier League. A bit of reverse this week, at... isn't it? Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Well, it's the end of the season. We might yeah. change it up a little bit. Yeah. Uh, so, Johnny, yeah. you actually came up with a little concept that you yeah. wanted us to do. So I thought you might explain to us. Yeah, so I, I, so this, this first 15 will be, or third 15, will be the top five hot. You know, not just five pictures of me uh, modelling. It's more <laughs> oh, right. um, related to five teams that have done or have surpassed expectations this season, done really well in terms of their expectations this season. I've also got one or two that have done well in circumstances, but not necessarily from what they expect at the start of the season. And then the next 15 or final 15 will be the top five knots, which would be the ones that didn't do very well this season. And did the opposite. That's it. Disappointed. Um, So I've got them as a kind of one to five. We'll start with the hots then. We'll we'll do one each then. I'll I'll start mine. I've gone with... uh, One's obvious, Man City. Yeah, I think we have to say I went with Man City as well. It's they are the hottest. Three winners. They've won a double. Uh, they could win a treble. Even if they win a double, it's still been good. There'll be a team to disappointment if they don't win a treble at this point. But what they've done is remarkable in terms of the fact that they looked a bit shaky at the start. They grew as the season went on. They took on board a false nine system because Aguero couldn't keep fit and they've really taken, they've really gone on to a, a, well, a different kind of level this season, showing good defensive game management. And the best thing I think about Man City this season really is that they are linked now. I mean, Harry Kane's basically calling for him, calling for them to sign him, but he needs them more than they need him. They don't need Harry Kane. He I mean, if they, did get Harry Kane, that would be a bit of a frightening prospect. But, but the funny thing is, you know what? Daniel Levy could say 120 million. They could say, actually, no, we'll, we'll give you 90. Yeah. They don't need him. Harry Kane needs Man City more than they need him. They played this season a without a striker and they could win the treble. Anyone who says, oh, Harry Kane will take them to the next level, what? He's going to win five trophies next year, really? With Harry Kane? Are they going to win five? I suppose Harry the big argument with that would be if it's to stop Man United getting him as well. <laughs> because a Man United with Harry Kane might suddenly start challenging City. But no, I agree. They're, they're top of my list as well. It's been a, a truly phenomenal season that if they do get the Champions League as well, will be one of the all-time great seasons yep. of any club, really. Um, my second hot, so not quite as hot one. as first, but second, I've gone West Ham. I think they've had what, what we saw at the start of the season. Many people were saying David Moyes is going to be in a relegation fight with this team. Going to say, I saw a stat about the the optimism of every set of fans uh, for the upcoming season that was taken before mm. before this season. How well they thought their side was going to do, and West Ham fans were the least optimistic for the upcoming season. They, they all thought they were going to get relegated. They saw Grady D and Garner to West Brom, and that caused mutiny within the dressing room. Uh, mm-hmm. Mark Noble, the captain, came out and said, "This isn't on. We don't want to sell our best, our you know, our bright young talents." and I watched their first game of the season to Newcastle. They were awful. It was awful. And I just thought they are in very big trouble this season. I just couldn't see. There was no fight. There was no intensity. There was nothing. And they were quite a poor Newcastle team, I thought, when they were playing. <laughs> to see what, to see the difference, to see how they've risen, um, you know, so, some some very cheap buys like Soufal, making wing back and right back his own. He's been outstanding this year. Suchek, another bargain buy. He's been brilliant Suchek next to Declan Rice. Second, see, second, generally, if you look at the way their season's gone, I've gone with Leeds. Ah. 
if you look at the way their season's gone, they, they haven't been that good. But I think that they came into the league as a bit of an unknown quantity in the fact that people didn't know where that style of football <laughs> would land them. They could have, mm. I, I think, before the start of the season, you wouldn't have been surprised to say Leeds have gone down come the end of the season. Mm. So I, I think the reason I've got put them in so high is they've gone far beyond those expectations that people had. And they've done it playing such an attractive brand of football. I mean, I love watching Leeds games. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, I've gone with with Marcelo Bielsa's Leeds in second. Yeah, I went with Leeds in third. Um, oh. Yeah. Uh, similar. One of the best things about Leeds for me is they came in really exciting football team and they were like, they were like the Norwich of the season before. They were like, we will score three. We'll concede to him. We'll, you, we'll concede to him, but we'll score three. That kind of mentality. Gung-ho, swashbuckling, yeah. naive, but lovable. It was like, oh, well, we'll win this game 3-1. We'll lose this game 4-1. We'll win this game 3-2. We'll lose this game 5-1. And as the season progressed, they've gone away from that naivety and they've actually improved drastically because sometimes teams do that and they pick up enough results and then towards the end, it kind of falls off a cliff a bit and they either sink or they just about survive. And with Norwich, we saw how they sunk as well when they just kept pasted and pasted and pasted and they lose that confidence they have. But with Leeds, they gained the game management, which is which has been fantastic, particularly in the big games. Towards the end of the season, oh, yeah. they showed a really strong sense of defensive resilience and game management to see results out against Man City at the Etihad with 10 men to get a nil-nil at home to Man United to get a nil-nil at home to Chelsea. They were showing a competitive edge that in the first half of the season, they've lost those games because they'd have been gung-ho, playing without any you know, discipline, pushing bodies forward just for the sake of it. They didn't have the game management. Because they've got the game management now, as the season's finishing, I think next season they will be very much in the race for a European spot. They were this season, arguably, but I think they left it a bit late. So four, who have you gone with four? I've got Man I've got United. A, bit of a wild card fifth. <laughs> I've got Man United. In four. So have I. Yeah, I've I, got Man United. Uh, Man United because uh, they had a nothing transfer window in the summer last year, and usually when you have a nothing transfer window, it usually means you're going to go backwards um, in the upcoming yeah, because season. Because everyone else is going forwards. And um, they started the season with a three-one loss to Crystal Palace at home. Fluked a win against Brighton, then lost 6 1 to Tottenham. And it was everyone was thinking, well, Solskjaer's going to get the sack event inevitably at some point because this can't carry on. Terrible start. To go unbeaten in the league away from home is remarkable considering the struggle that they had at the start of the season. I know they were at home, but still remarkable away from home, not losing a game all season. Um, to get second in the league, which is an improvement on last year where they, where they finished where they finished third, to go up one to second, despite not really strength. You can argue Cavani came in and, and strengthened the pack, but really oh, yeah. everyone looked at it, though, and thought this is a man who's passed his sell-by date and won't play every game, and he's only going to be able to, which is true, he, he can't play every game. So it's not like they'd signed a st- Cavani of 28 years old. They signed a Cavani in his, you know, in his latter years, in the twilight of his career. Still a great player, but... That summer window, they stood still. And Solskjaer's managed to get, rinse every last drop out of that squad and to get them as good to this position where they are now. And they're in a Europa League final, so they could win a trophy with that as oh, well. I think they will, to be honest. Yep. 
So they could win the Europa League. By the time this goes out, you'll know if it has won. Well, depending on when you listen, you might have won the Europa League. Well, I think I think the Sancho transfer is one that is quite likely at this point. I think that that, that kind of makes almost too much sense for everyone involved. Yeah. Um, I think if they were to really kick on and maybe try and sign Harry Kane or something, that would that would potentially turn them into challenges even. Uh, if you think, as you mentioned, Cavani's done a great job, but he's not available every game. You look at Harry Kane, if he plays every game, then they're well up there. You see, you see, uh, you see, you see he's not, but I think the nature of it next season, I still think he could play. He could, I think it was a lot more tighter this season, wasn't it? The games were, mu- were much much more thick and fast. I mean, if they get a sensible... Yeah. No, that's fair, yeah. I, I, I also think it'll be interesting for Man United in particular, as you mentioned, that away record, to see how that changes when we're, we do have fans back. Because yeah. obviously that's impacted... A lot of teams this season have particularly good away seasons, maybe not quite as good home seasons. Uh, that's a slight hint towards Everton in the, the second half of this, but... Um, I tell you what, though, I tell you what, uh, to win the final day against Wolves with a yeah. youth team and matter, yeah. you know. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, if when I won, saw that lineup, I was thinking, oh dear. But, but yeah, they won. Very good. Okay, yeah. number five. Uh, I'll say I've got a wild card here, so you go yeah, first. Uh, well, I thought about it, and, and even though you could argue it goes into the other one, it, I don't think it does really. I think I, think I know who you're going to go with. I'm going to go Leicester. Uh, huh? really? Yeah. yeah, I don't know. Who to go with uh, Leicester. So go with Leicester because they didn't get Champions League and they spent the majority of the season in the Champions League. So in that sense, it's bad. However, they were fighting on two fronts: they fought in the Europa League and they fought in, fought in the Premier League. Up to the latter stage of the Europa League, probably should have got further, but they still they still competed well. They still progressed past the group stages. Did, them, did themselves justice for the most part, except for that second leg against Slavia Prague. They weren't great. Okay, so not been perfect, hence why the fifth. But I thought the, the Europa League commitment and the Premier League would derail their Premier League season a bit, especially when all the get, especially with the tightness of this season. I thought they'd probably be finishing eighth or ninth or tenth. And in reality, they, they were a game away. They were 15 minutes away from top four, which is remarkable, really, uh, when you consider that Chelsea and Liverpool the squads they have, the players they have. I mean, they had the Europa League season. They learned from that. They, they were 15 minutes away from a top four finish. That alone wouldn't get them fifth. The fact they won the FA Cup for the first time in their history is a wonderful thing. And they should have learned a lot from this season. They recruit well in the summer. They are still, for me, easily the fifth best team in the league if they recruit well. Now, his argument, Arsenal could come back strong next year with the young players they have, Tottenham as well. You, you know, there's argument for teams to come back. But I still think Leicester are in a great, great position where they are now. Great manager, great squad. Recruitment, Sumare is supposed to be coming in, isn't he? Um, that's I think signing. that may be a long-term Tielemans replacement. Yeah. Um, but for me, yeah. Uh, it's not been, if, they'd have, if they'd have got fourth, they'd have been, that would have been second on the list. Yeah. As I say, I've, I've gone for a bit of a wild card and it's not a team that on paper have had a good season. Mm. I've gone with Brighton. Yeah, no, that's fair. Okay. It, yeah. So, I just think that the way that Potter's got them playing and the the, the way that he, he's almost building for the future is something that would really excite me if I was a Brighton fan. And I think that all you've got to do, is, as we've mentioned countless times, look at the XG table. They're right up there. They're, I think they finished in fifth place on, on the XG table, which obviously isn't real life, but it, it often predicts the future quite well. And I think that that's something that will happen. I think they'll be one of the most improved sides next season. 
And the reason I put them in my top five now mm. is because I think that he's really put those building blocks in place for them to kick on next season. Yeah. And I can see that and the way they get the way they actually play is so good. Yeah, no, that, that's a, that's another good shout, actually. Yeah, no. Uh, and he said a quote, actually. He said, 95% of the teams progress through this league by spending a lot of money. And I, he says, I want to be part of that 5%. I thought that was a really good quote. Just as a disclaimer, uh, Liverpool and Chelsea would have had good seasons based on circumstance, but not from the start of the season. Yeah. So what happened? No, well, I thought you were going to put Liverpool in because considering their injuries, they've had a pretty good season. They have, but, but considering they won the league last year, they finished fourth. Exactly. Third, yeah. third sorry. Third. So uh, yeah, it's it's disappointing in that sense, but good in terms of circumstance. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Top five uh, knots or flops or disappointing seasons. Uh, for, ooh, well, there's a few. Three, yeah. I think. Three mm-hmm. stick out as obvious. The other two less maybe obvious. Um, I've gone with uh, number one. I've gone with Tottenham. Um, I think. You know, Jose Mourinho came in. And he came in to win trophies. And um, essentially what usually happens when Jose Mourinho comes to a club, he builds something in his first season, wins something in his second, or, or has his best success in his second, and then in the third it kind of falls off the rails. But Tottenham managed to avoid the second season. Um, and <laughs> the idea, Yeah. Well, it seemed to be they, for the first half of the season, they were having the second season because they were doing quite well. They were in the title race by around Christmas time. And then it all sort of fell away. And then, again, the Tottenham we saw for the first 10, 10 or 11 weeks of the season just evaporated, like, ridiculously. Um, and then when he had the chance to win a trophy, Daniel Levy sacked him and appointed Ryan May. Honestly, we've, we've questioned this time and time again, but it still doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. And basically, yeah. to top it all off, well, they're in the com- U- UEFA Conference League. Half the fans don't want to be in the UEFA Conference League. Jermaine Genius was criticising the fact that they got into the I don't know why. I like it. I'd want to be in it. But, yeah, yeah. I, think, uh, I think given the fact Tottenham haven't won a trophy, there's a bit of a, a strange prejudice towards something they could win. Um, yeah. But yeah, so the fact that half, quite a lot of the fans didn't want to be in that tournament, the fact that Jose Mourinho came, saw, but didn't conquer, the fact that... Um, there's an instability in terms of the manager now. Ryan Mason's in, but they know he's not going to be around next season, probably. The fact that the star player, Harry Kane, after his golden boot and uh, golden shoe, golden shoe for the assist. Uh, what's Which one's that one? There is something, but... There is something, yeah. Most assists. Golden Best assist, yeah. So he, he got those two. So he's basically, tells you all you need to know. Now wants that's, to that's leave. in the shining light of the season. Yeah, but now he wants thing. to leave. So... yeah. There's there's well, nothing to really look back on with fondness now because if Kane leaves, it's like pulling the plug out of the bath, um, <laughs> and then whoever comes in as a manager has to deal with all of that. I I think they'll try and keep him if they can for another season yeah. because the new manager is going to have a hell of a job on his hands trying to integrate a philosophy without the um, the cheat code, if you will. If that philosophy isn't quite working in the moment because yeah. it takes time to put that in, It'd be brutal. Can you imagine where they would have finished had they not had Harry Kane this season? Yeah, because yeah, it could have been even more frightening for Spurs fans. Um, yeah, but yeah, I know I agree. I think he will end up staying because he's really not in the best negotiating position <laughs> given the contract. Uh, yeah. yeah, no, I've also got Spurs as my uh, most disappointing team this season. Mm. Almost surprisingly, I've got them first, but yeah, second, second, I put Wolves actually. Now, obviously, they've had unlucky scenarios, particularly Jimenez. Uh, The injury to Jimenez has really impacted them. That kind of really 
took the wheels off, really uh, derailed their season even more so than it already was. I think that obviously the Doherty transfer cost them as well, but I think that just generally, even beyond those two specific scenarios, I, I just think they've been so poor, so boring to watch. And the fans must have hated watching this season. Obviously now Nuno's leaving, which is a bit... It's a bit sad, but I can see why. Well, he's crying, weren't he? He was, yeah. I can see why from both parties. It, it kind of makes sense, but it's sad to see considering how long he's been there, how, what a good job he's done. Yeah. But yeah, yeah I think I... that, and yet, and yet, a certain club that you follow play similar football to the to the Wolves team. Well, just wait until who I put third. <laughs> Don't <you> worry. <laughs> you know what? I'm not. The reason why I've not got Wolves on there is more for the fact of. They had a really energy-sapping season this season before, and I half expected them to tailor off because they were they got to the latter stages of the Europa League. They nearly got into the Champions League. I thought there'd be a bit of a drop-off. Um, there wasn't too much of a drop-off. As much of a drop-off? Yeah, but I don't think there was much of a drop-off until the Jimenez injury, which was huge because he's such yeah. a big figure for them. Um, and in reality, they were never in a relegation battle. Um, it wasn't pretty at times. It wasn't a great season, but it was a bit of a dose of reality. What's the worst that's happened? The middle of the table, well, bottom half. Yeah, it's not for them. I but... think it would have maybe been worse had the fans been there and really been subjected to watching it. Week Some in, of the week football out. was tough. It wasn't. It, it wasn't great. It was. It was difficult. But I think when you lose a key player like Jimenez and in the middle of the season, you can't really replace him, and it, and it is. Yeah. They tried, but yeah, failed. And it's tough, and it, it really is. They've got a lot of young players there as well. Neto's had his moments, as he's done quite well. Yeah, and, and, yeah, and no, he could be a good player in the future. Arts as well. He's Max a good player now. Well. Okay. Um, yeah, so, no, they're not quite in my top five. I've gone with Arsenal second. Um, Arsenal okay. came into this season with so much promise. I had them down fifth. I thought they might even get fourth when they signed Thomas Partey uh, because I thought Arteta was an excellent tactician but based on his first six, seven months in charge. And to be honest, what, what this season's shown is that it's it, it sort of evened out. It's proven that inexperience, you know, is a genuine thing. This does affect people if they've not had the time to develop the managerial craft. And Arteta has fallen short on quite a few fronts. And the fact he's still at Arsenal is quite fortunate. But at the same time, it's good because maybe he can build something at Arsenal because he's got the time to do so. And he's got a lot of young, exciting players um, particularly with a view to looking at next season now, I think he could have a... a be- I'm not going to say he's going to get top four, but I think he could have a better season than this season because he's gone through such a turbulent one this year um, because a lot of what could have gone... It, it couldn't have gone much worse. Let's put, let's put it that way. It couldn't have gone much worse. Um, the, nothing's really gone right. The experienced players haven't turned up for him with, a, with an exception of Lacazette, who I think has had quite a good season. Uh, Aubameyang signed a bumper new deal signed a bumper new deal which basically had to happen because the fans would have revolted if he didn't but the fact when he signed that that's a 31 year old signing a £350,000 a week contract his retirement fund essentially and he has turned up like it is, he is in a retirement home this season because he's shown a lack of enthusiasm I feel like it's almost like the young players have to lift him as opposed to him taking the scrunt the brunt and scruff of the neck and lifting the team. I think it next season, if the young players do lift the club like they have this season, do lift Arsenal, do take the game out of the scruff of the neck, 
that's probably the best you're going to see from Aubameyang because I don't think he's necessarily got the, the 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 stomach and the battle to really lift the team himself. I think he wants a bit from elsewhere, which is quite sad, really. But he has won, hasn't he? He's got the highest paid contract of his career. He doesn't have to work for anything anymore. If he doesn't want to, he doesn't. And then Willian yeah. as well comes in, mega money. First game of the season, didn't he, where he was phenomenal. And I think yeah. everyone thought from that moment on that he was just going to kick on. But no, it's been a really poor season from him. What I'd say, yeah. though, is, is is with Arteta, though, I think he's disappointed because he came in and he, you know, everyone was so excited about him. The Arsenal fans loved him. He couldn't do any wrong. He'd won two trophies if you count the community shield. But this has just been a dose of reality because he's made tactical errors. He's had poor, he's been poor in game management at times. His selection and tactics in the Europa League semis against Villarreal were baffling. He went with a false nine when no, he yeah. never played a false nine. He picked players in random positions, which just didn't seem to make sense. And some of the, and for example, as well, Martinelli, who's been excellent in many matches, seems to have a, he seems to be reluctant to play him on a regular basis. He seems to be reluctant to play a few players on a regular basis. Doesn't know his best team. Seemed to persist too long with the experienced players like Willian. And at that point, it, when his job was on the line, he had to call on the youth and they actually bailed him out. So in, with that all in mind, he could have been sacked. Some will say he should have been sacked. But next season, I think he can look at and say, right, we can build from here. We could probably get a Europa League finish. Yeah, so I, I haven't actually put Arsenal in my, my five disappointing teams because... I just don't think that the squad is almost as good as it as it as people think it is. I I think that they're about where they kind of should be. They've, they've finished eighth, which is maybe somewhere around where they should be considering the squad. I, and I agree with you actually that Arteta and Arsenal have the foundations in place in the future to maybe kick on a little bit more. Mm. Uh, particularly like the likes of Saka, Tierney. If they keep Tierney fit, I think he's a tremendous fullback. Yeah. Uh, as I say, Saka and Gabriel's had an okay season, but you look at elsewhere, the like when Rob Holding's playing week in, week out, I think there's question marks have to be asked about the team and, yeah. and the quality in that team. Yeah. I mean, yeah, no, that's fair. I mean, on yeah, uh with 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 three for me, gone Sheffield United. Um Sheffield yeah, United. Yeah. Uh not first or second, because I think they excelled very much last season. And this season, it's more of a, a baptism of fire, a bring back down to earth, dose of reality mixed with a terrible recruit, summer re- transfer recru- recruitment mixed with, uh, you know, mixed with, mixed with just, with just a general drop in, in uh, standards anyway, um, from, from some of the players who are already there mixed with, as well, some poor injuries like Jack O'Connell with his injury as well. I think that was, that was so unlucky. That yeah, really unlucky. No, I I've, I've got them as I say in fourth as well. I think oh. they've. I, I think we both thought they would drop off this season. Yeah, but just maybe not quite as much as they have done. I think McGoldrick's had a good season. I think he's yeah. a really a really nice player to watch. I don't think he'll stay in the Premier League either. I think he'll stay yeah. with Sheffield United. Yeah. But yeah, it's not. It's not. It's been quite disappointing. I'd like uh, to see Hecking Bottom given the chance to stay because I think he's kind of stabilised the club a little bit in these re- in these last few weeks, and the players seem to like him. I mean, on recent evidence, he's won two of the last three games. Um, you know, got two clean sheets in those as well. Uh, seems to have stabilised the defence a little bit, and in the Championship, you do get a little bit more leeway, of course, in the Premier League. I think they keep the bulk of the squad together. If they don't appoint Hecking Bottom, I'd go. I think. I've said it before, but Slavin Bilic, I think, would be a good shout. Yeah, you've mentioned um, that one. And then, and then, just keep the generally teams do well if they keep the core of the squad that went down together. 
and uh, and don't change too much from what they did in the Premier League because usually keep keep stability. It should be enough to to really have a good assault on the championship. Yeah, I, I kind of skipped my third place, yeah, but yeah. I've gone Everton. Everton. Uh, so Everton, I don't think we've been that bad generally, but I think the main disappointing thing, uh, uh, and this might be slightly biased because I'm an Everton fan, obviously. But the main disappointed thing is that so many teams have had quite a poor season and we didn't mm. kick on. Yeah. We didn't kind of yeah. use the opportunity and grasp at it to, to go in and get into Europe, maybe even challenge for the top four. We, yeah. we threatened to yeah. do so at certain times, I mean, particularly the first 10 games. Uh, everyone said we won the first 10 games. I think we, we were top of the league at one point, uh, at that point in time. But yeah, it, it, it's just disappointing that we didn't kind of Clutch at, clutch at the opportunity and as you mentioned the quality of the football at times has been dire yeah. <laughs> really poor and I think if fans were in the stadium it, it would have been even worse yeah um, yeah I've got Everton in fifth um, I, I've got Everton in fifth because again I think one thing I suppose what you've got with Carlo Ancelotti is a sense of um, uh, I, I, I think optimism for the future because you've got such a such a um, a prestigious name in charge. And I said this actually when Carlo Ancelotti came in, a bit like when Manuel Pellegrini went to West Ham. Might not be the most innovative of coaches in terms of young progressive managers, but because he's quite a a high-profile name, he will be able to attract a higher calibre of player. Remember at West Ham, they got uh, Pablo Fornals. That was seen as a coup at the time. They also got Sebastian Allaire, who wasn't necessarily uh, a raving success, but he did do particularly well for Eintracht Frankfurt in the Bundesliga. And it was seen as another coup because of the Pellegrini factor. And, and you, you, basically, Pellegrini actually got higher profile signings than David Moyes did. Doesn't necessarily mean, you know, but he did. He could get that higher caliber of player. And you see that with Ancelotti. Alan, great signing. Ducore, great signing until he got injured. James Rodriguez. Hmm. So you, you have a different opinion on James to me. I think, I I think, think for me, for me. He is, and I, I can appreciate that because you don't get, as an Everton fan, as a, as a, as a, as a non-top six fan, you don't get the opportunity to see, you know, wizardry on the ball like you do with James Rodriguez. And he is a wizard when he's on the ball. Um, the reason why he's been, he's at Everton and not one of the bigger clubs is because he is a luxury and there's very few luxuries that you can have in European football. Messi, you can. Ronaldo, so, you no, can. But- you see, I think I have a slight issue with that because he does actually work. If you watch him, he does actually work for the team uh, more than people suggest. I think the big issue and the, the thing that the reason... Did he give that, out free meals at Merseyside Hospital? Is that how I he works know. for the team? I don't know. He's been there enough, but, isn't he? <laughs> but the, the, that's, a, that's the thing. The, the big thing is he's not on the pitch enough and that is the main reason why he's at Everton and not one of the, the, the big European he reminds because... me about He reminds me of Ozil, to be honest, and I've said this quite a lot. And, and what Ozil used to do for Arsenal, he used to change a game in a minute, in a second. Um, minute would be a long time. He used to change a game in a second. He, he could just provide a brilliant pass out of nothing. You think, wow, that's amazing. World genius. But um, he could do that. And he's not in the game for, you know, I when I watch him, I don't see him in the game. You, you say James Rodriguez's system, but I think it makes it predictable. For me, I don't think, He's he's a very frustrating player to watch. For as good as he is and as talented as he is, he's a very, very frustrating player to watch. But ultimately with Everton, it's not just it, that's not the reason why they're not there. The reason why they're not there, lack of squad depth uh, beyond yeah, the first the eleven. Really, the really lack of quality wide players, lack of pace. Yep. Um yep. 
and, and you're lifting things off. I think the pace is the big one. I think that that also limits James Rodriguez because his long passing is really, really top drawer. And it's all well and good having that ability, but then if there's no one running in behind, then it's not 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 a whole lot of use. I mean, hmm. I think that his most common pass is to Luca Dean, which says everything you need to know. Yeah. Uh, and as you mentioned, there is just a general lack of quality in a lot of the players. I think that I could I could list the players that should be kept long term, and uh, and there's a lot of players that are playing big parts in the team and having a lot of minutes that aren't good enough yeah. uh, to play at the level that Everton want to be at. Maybe yeah. can be squad players like of Tom Davies. Uh, could be good squad players, but shouldn't be playing every week. Yeah. So yeah, it's uh, been a disappointing. Going to going to extra time in these last ones, but uh, I would say that. Um, Extra time of the 15, but um, I, yeah, I just to summarize fourth for me because Everton were fifth, fourth, but it's Tottenham first, Arsenal second, Sheffield United third, Everton fifth, and Southampton in fourth because I had Southampton really to do well. Uh, yeah. in fact, I had them in top seven at the start of the season yeah, and, and they were top in December at one yeah, point. I remember you rubbing it in my face, yeah, they were doing really, like really well, <laughs> yeah, doing really well. Uh, again, like a squad depth, really, and um. The lack of ability to rotate for Ralph Hasenhutl really cost his team in the second half of the season because I think a lot of players were tired and the players that were injured, there wasn't the backups for them. Uh, they lost 9-0 again. Um, That's not good, is it? Not That's good not at good all. Um, and it's worrying, really, because I think Bertrand's going this summer. That's a big loss. Really good, solid, uh, comprehensive Premier League left-back. Um, that's a loss. Not only on the pitch, but probably also in terms of experience and know-how in the in the training yeah. on the training pitch. Danny Ings goes. That's big. That is a huge that's loss. Massive, if they manage yeah. to keep him, I think they'll be fine. If they lose him, I think they could go down. I think this this is these are really big, a really big summer for um, Southampton. They're not notoriously big spenders. They might have to invest a little bit, and and it'll be key to keep Ings. And given the situation in 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 the transfer market, I think there'll be a lot in for Danny Ings. Maybe even Tottenham. Uh, if Harry Kane did depart, um, yeah, no, I could see that. So, yeah, keep hold of things, they'll be fine. But if they don't, they're in trouble. Um, because that squad's way for thin, and the way Hassan Hutel plays, they're knackered in the second half if they if they play in every single week, uh, every, every single match without any rotation. So, yeah, I, I'd be worried a little bit if I was a Southampton fan. Yeah, I agree completely. Yeah, I, I had them in fifth, and I, it's a shame, really, because I, I like Hassan Hutel as a coach, but. It is a worry given how much of a drop-off there's been this season. And as you say, a lot of it is down to the squad depth. In the second um, half of the season, they were good in the first. Yeah, yeah. No, no, fair enough. But yeah, it's been concerning for him as a coach. And I think that had he not had this drop-off in the second half of the season, then Spurs might have been knocking on his door uh, this mm. summer. Yeah, no, so that's maybe true. Who did you have him for? I had Spurs top, Wolves second, Everton third, Sheffield United fourth, Southampton fifth. Oh, very good. Very good. Yeah. Okay, then. Okay, then. Yeah, so it's a similar order. One quick thing for the listeners. Uh, who topped our FBL league? <laughs> uh, yeah. All oh, right. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. When you say topped, we, yeah. We did, <laughs> we did actually have... Actually, no, that's true. I, I did make a league for the two of us, and I won it because you didn't join. So... <laughs> That's true. Sorry, isn't you it? The I did win. I did win the league. I won the league. So, so just for clarification, I beat Johnny. I won the league. I won the league. Yeah, but on the on the league I made for us two, I won the league because you refused to join because you thought you'd lose and you did. 
because <laughs> right. uh, didn't join, did you? So you didn't win the league. I mean, honestly, them. I just thought it'd be funny if you had a league on your own. But but we yeah, I'll, I'll take my victory. I'll take okay, it. very good. Okay, fifteen at fifteen off pod. If you want to uh, get DMs uh, from Jordan or well, probably Jordan. I don't know. That'll be yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know who do, don't know who tweets from there anymore. It's not usually me. I just retweet myself at the Johnny Bentley. If you want uh, to have some humor with those dms and some personality with those dms <laughs> uh so that's that's i can offer that um and yeah uh, join us next week i think it next week uh will be a comprehensive euros discussion because um the squads will be, squads will be out uh, I, don't, I don't want to speculate on that really before it comes out this podcast will go out after it's gone out but we'll have recorded it before it's gone out. So I yeah, can't, we don't want to have any howlers. And you can't speculate. It's so annoying about Trent Alexander-Arnold. Yeah, exactly. I think that's that's a, that's an inevitability now, according to many reports that he might not be involved. But we'll discuss that more in detail next week. Uh, thank you. Stay safe. I uh, hope you're enjoying um, Boris's roadmap uh, out of uh, the lockdown, which we roll in. Take care. Or, unless you're in a different country, by the way, in which case I hope you're doing good too. Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs>